I'm Anna-Marie Cox, and I feel the need, the need for speed. Lawyers note, this podcast does not recommend the use of amphetamines. <laughs> and also, it's technically not the from the movie we're talking That's about. That's true, but, but still. Hi, I'm Daniel Dresner, and I just want to manage expectations. Welcome to Space the Nation, where we look at science fiction through the lens of... Autonomous weapons. And Bernoulli's theorem. Did you know, Dan, that people don't know exactly why airplanes stay up? I was aware of that. It's not a comforting thought, but I am, in fact, aware of that, yes. <laughs> Just something that came up while I was researching this movie. <laughs> the movie we're talking about, if you couldn't guess, is Top Gun Maverick. And it is a special occasion because it's not, It's we sort of picked it. Just because we wanted to talk about it. <laughs> but also, having just seen it, I have decided that it is, sci- it is science fiction. Yes. <laughs> There's fifth generation fighters in it, Anna. I mean, it's about as sci-fi as you can get, frankly. It's kind of preposterous. I mean, it's completely fun. But yes. it's a very silly movie. Yes. Which is great, because we're kicking off hot sci-fi summer. That's right. And in fact, this is the perfect segue for hot sci-fi summer because our hot sci-fi summer this summer will mostly be 80s themed it will either be movies you made in the 80s and or having the 80s vibe as it were and it would be safe to say that this sequel to top gun qualifies under oh, that criteria yes Anna? It, it, it is in a funny way if you didn't do a shot for shot remake of something <laughs> <laughs> but you just took a movie and you chopped it up and you put it in a hat and then you picked out certain scenes to do a shot for shot remake of <laughs> like, yeah this is this is a movie that's of the 80s plus i would add that like it does seem fitting because for memorial day we did a tom cruise sci-fi movie and now it's july 4th week and you know why not why not you know follow the tradition of a tom cruise movie I like that. Maybe maybe we'll keep doing it. Who knows? Yes. We've been doing this for two years. It's hard to believe we'll do it for three, but I didn't believe we'd finish one. So There you go. <laughs> that is why we're doing this movie. That is the movie we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I think we should just move on into our discussion of it. What do you think, Dan? Well, I was going to ask how you're doing on it because I think you oh. do have, you know, like you're doing pretty well would be my understanding. And, and I think perhaps our patrons would like to hear about that. You know what? It is so like me to just skip right over this. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not going to let you do that, Anna. I want you to actually brag a little bit. I just sold a book, a book proposal, and it's a big deal. It's a big fucking deal, Anna. <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah. It's a, I mean, I could tell you like what my agent said, which is that in this market, for a memoir from somebody who's doesn't come from a lived experience that publishers are like dying for and you know, his last name is not cl- is not trump <laughs> for a middle class white lady who's yeah. not involved in politics mm-hmm. to sell a memoir at auction is is good mm-hmm. it's very good it's a good thing and i think the reason why it did get a lot of attention i i had many meetings and there were multiple offers and i got to pick which is amazing, mm-hmm. right? And actually, the deal I went with, my editor is sober, too. So, oh, that's great. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I mean, that's not the only reason I went no, no, with no, them. No, no, obviously, but... It works out really nicely, but... And I, I want to stress the, here, because Anna will not, for those patrons, I've actually occasionally tried to write a book for a commercial audience. 
getting one commercial press interested in a book is hard. Getting many commercial presses interested in a book is like really freaking spectacular. So again, this is what Anna just did is not easy and really super <laughs> impressive. And as you know, I've been working on that proposal for almost a year. Yeah. The proposal was itself a hard slog. I'm hopeful that the book the book will have its sloggy points. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to say about why I think it generated the interest it did is because it's not solely a memoir. It's also kind of an investigation of, if you'll pardon kind of the phrase, multi-generational trauma. Because I've mentioned... The archaeology of trauma. Is it yeah, right? the archaeology of trauma. That's good. I might use that. No problem. Um, <laughs> my mom was an alcoholic and her dad was an alcoholic. And her dad died when he was very, she was very young. And then she was sent away to live with relatives, which was a very traumatic experience also for her. And I don't know anything about that side of my family. Hmm. So in the proposal, it's described as Mary Carr meets David Carr <laughs> because there's going to be extensive reporting like David Carr did on his own life because I, there's so much I don't know about my mom. And then the Mary Carr part is like mom and daughter drinking together. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's kind of a third part which is the more kind of current thinking on trauma and healing. I think that's why people were interested is because I am taking a fairly like, it's not just going to be me sitting around writing about what my childhood was like, Yeah, which is great. People who do that and do that well is amazing. Right. But it's about more than your navel would be the way to put it. Yeah. All right, now let's talk about Top Gun. Yes, I was going to say, sorry, that was all really serious. Let's get to the good part. Let's all right. Top Gun. Chekhov's What's It, Dan? Yes. Okay, so this is obviously the thing that appears usually early in the film that we, you know, is a uh, cue that we're going to see it later. In my case, the Chekhov's What's It is the original Top Gun because <laughs> there's no other way to put this. I mean, the only thing. Christopher McQuarrie and Joseph Kaczynski did not call back on from that film, and I'm grateful they did this, was You've Lost That Love and Feeling. Just about, like, and, and Kelly McGillis, I guess. Did it. Like, I was, like, waiting for it. I really yes. was. And, thank, and I, I'm not upset that they did did not include that, because everything else they did, in fact, call funny. back on. It's pretty funny. It's like, there, yeah. is, there is a very good drinking game to be played. <laughs> yes. Like, with this movie. There are multiple Part drinking of which games would be, be the scene-for-scene scene remake pet yeah. stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> and then fifth-generation fighters. Yeah, fifth-generation fighters. Fifth-generation fighters. For non-alcoholics, take a drink every time you hear the, the phrase <laughs> fifth-generation fighters used in this thing. Alcoholics, just take a drink of soda. There you, you know, go. It's not exactly. quite as fun, but, yes. like, you'll get caffeine, you know, high. And you can belch. It's it, it'll right. Trust me, you'll, you'll get a lot there of you go. snorting there. So what I'm going to say is mm-hmm. Chekhov's papers pulled from the Naval Academy. <laughs> 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 Which... For the first like hour of the movie, I was like, I don't even really know what that means. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I mean, it does. It's not obvious. Like, I figured it right. out in the context, right? Yeah. But like this big thing that Tom Cruise, or, sorry, I do. Excuse want to me, Maverick. Cruise. He's you know he's playing a role did, here, Anna, which yes. is to like pull the papers of yes. Goose's son. Like, right. it's not intuitive. Like, what? No, that means. No. 
<laughs> or not. how he would have the power to, as it turns out, keep him from going. I would say to the he Naval doesn't. He had, technically, he doesn't actually have the power. What he has is the connections. That's oh, the way right. you have to think about it. Oh, it's not like so- it, that, he didn't go into power, a room. Dan? Yes, exactly. Well, it's like network ties. Okay. Or as Mark Granovetter would put it, it's weak ties. So yeah. All so right. yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on here. All right, let's get to the story behind the story. Anna, I believe this is the longest span of time between an original film and a sequel. And also, I think the runner-up is actually also involved Tom Cruise, which is The Hustler and The Color of Money. I, I want to know what's up with that. Anna, you know, come on. You know, you got to do some of that podcast shit. Let's go. Okay. Well, Dan, as you know, I basically just got back from seeing Because <laughs> <laughs> I was celebrating my book deal <laughs> by treating myself to a movie. Right. And so this is not as involved as it might be, because mm-hmm. I'm sure there's like a lot of story. But I did find this one article that I find amusing, which is that Tom Cruise has been thinking about this sequel for decades. <laughs> and he, quote unquote, would lay awake at night thinking about it and i'm going to read the direct quotes because they're pretty awesome just for years i would think how do i do this what is it (laughs) talking about a story and structure for years people would come with ideas that are terrible just didn't work at all in any way shape or form and i was just saying this is never going to work i'm not interested i'd lay there at night okay i'd sit down i'd write i'd be like if I did this. <laughs> and I spent years actually formulating the process by which I would think about making this movie. Because they're like, just go do it, man. You're Tom. Good. We're in. And I was like, no, no, there's a whole thing. Somehow, out of that, we get Top Gun Maverick. A shot for shot remake of the original film. <laughs> The idea that this was like <laughs> really hard to conceive mm-hmm. is almost endearing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I do like the image of Tom Cruise like awake in whatever hyperbaric chamber he sleeps in, <laughs> like saying, "I just don't know. I don't know. I just just I gotta come up with the right idea. Yeah. Gotta come up with the right way to do it." Mm-hmm. And having Maverick go back and teach at flight school i mean whoa you know i mean it doesn't suck but it feels it feels familiar i think would be the right word i think that is the good that is a good word in fact yeah familiar is kind of a good word to describe the entire movie yes yes i think that's a safe i also wanted to note in case people didn't already know that val kilmer uh, who returns as Iceman. Mm -hmm. Iceman has throat cancer in the movie, and Val Kilmer, in fact, has had throat cancer. It is in remission currently. But he also has trouble speaking. That's why the movie was done the way that it was done. Mm -hmm. There's actually kind of a nifty article about how he's been using an AI, experimental like AI, Hmm. text-to-speech computer. Oh, cool. Which, if people want to find out more about, I will link to in the newsletter. Excellent. Speaking of finding out more... (laughs) Let's talk about the plot of this very silly movie, Dan. <sighs> okay, Anna, let's go through this. Let's start with Act One. <laughs> Act One, Maverick is gonna Maverick. Say, remember Pete Maverick Mitchell from the 1980s? He hasn't changed all that much. 
He's only been promoted. It's that to... hyperbaric chamber. I mean, first of all, physically, he <laughs> looks kind of similar to how he did in the 1980s. He's also only been promoted to captain in his 30-year Navy career. And I cannot stress how hard you would have to work to not get promoted any more than that and yet still remain in the Navy. Like, that takes actual, like, real skill. It is one of the preposterous things yes. about this movie. Yes. Like, they would promote you against your will. Right, like, exactly. Like, it's not... The, the, the military doesn't like keeping people... At rank. Right. No, it's up like, or out. That is the yeah. the military's general, like, and it doesn't matter whether it's the Navy or it doesn't yeah. matter what branch. It's generally up or out. Yeah. The point is, Mav is still working as a U.S. Navy test pilot for a new hypersonic jet. On the day of a test flight, Rear Admiral Kane, call sign Hammer, orders the test flight scrub to shut down the program and redirect funds to drone programs. Maverick, being Maverick... <laughs> Nonetheless, ignores the advice, just takes off, and then flies the prototype to its objective speed of Mach 10. Again, being Maverick, he then stupidly goes further into high hypersonic speed, destroying the plane completely. Kane, understandably, wants to ground Maverick for his rank insubordination, but then the movie would end, and so, so quickly... It turns out that Mav's old friend and now Admiral Tom Iceman Kazansky, commander of the U.S. Pacific Fleet orders him back to North Island as a Top Gun instructor for a new mission. So, Dan. Yes, Anna? I thought I was going to get to say Chekhov's drone planes. <laughs> what is a, one of the weird things about this movie is that they introduce this whole dialogue about yeah. drones versus human pilots. Right. And then that's it. That's it. It's not only that. Like, you're expecting <laughs> to see... You know, if you cast Ed Harris as an admiral... And he's in Act sure. 1. I'm yeah. expecting to see him toward the end of the film. I'm expecting to see a fight about whether or not they right. should use drones. By the way, would, good use of drones in the specific mission that they were just supposed yes, to be no, doing. Yes, no, it would have actually would been, have been a, a great place to use drones. It would have been a legitimately interesting debate, I have to say. And yet, it's like, I mean, I assume the reason they did this was to suggest if you weren't aware of this already, that Tom Cruise is a dying breed, that Maverick is a dying breed. Yes. And yes. that's fair, I, but like... I guess, but they lay it out pretty... Yeah, it's not subtle. <laughs> nothing in this movie is subtle on it. Well, there's one thing that's subtle, but like nothing else is subtle. You know. So, And I just wanted to say quickly, which is that debate is sort of interesting, but mm -hmm. drone planes are also flown by humans. That is correct. Yes. And, and there's actually a fair amount of research on the damage mm -hmm. that that can do much like active combat right. to the drone operators that they suffer the same kind of PTSD and make the same kind of mistakes. Mm -hmm. And it is not like the way that's presented in the movie is it's just like, we'll have robots do it. Yep. <laughs> yep. And we haven't, haven't quite gotten there yet, but we didn't get to have that debate in the movie. So we won't have it now. Let's Continue. move on to the plot. <laughs> so what is that new mission? Well, Maverick has been assigned to train the best of the Top Gun graduates for a super risky attack run on a nuclear research facility in a country that shall not be named. <laughs> He's going to do this under the skeptical, watchful eyes of Cyclone and Warlock, the current Top Gun commanders. Uh, Mav exposits that the nature of the underground uranium enrichment facility and the presence of surface-to-air, which I'm going to say SAM from here on in because that is actually the acronym to use, and fifth-generation fighters... <laughs> I'm going to just oh, use that. Oh, that eliminates the possibility of a drone strike. Yes, they do actually exposit why you okay, can't use a drone strike. Yeah, okay, they address it. Okay, all right. Uh, okay. It does eliminate the possibility of a drone strike. So, Although, does it? <laughs> Sorry. It kind of does. I mean, especially, well, let me put it this way. The attack run requires 
a pair of F-18 Super Hornets to hit a small right. thermal exhaust port right above the main port. Okay, that last part is not entirely true, but it's a little true. Am I right, Anna? This whole mission I, feels so lifted out of Star Wars. Were they not going to fly X-Wings? I half like expected Nav to shut off his targeting <laughs> computer right before he commenced his run. I mean, that was I, how... It yeah. would have been in character. Actually... It would have been in character. Right. It is part of the movie. There's this whole thing that we will, I'm sure, talk about more. Yep. Just do, don't think. <laughs> you can't think up there if you think you're dead, Anna. That's from the first one, okay? <laughs> that seems that seems like bad advice. It's re- it was it was dumb advice <laughs> in the first film. It, I don't think it really holds up in this one either. And in fact, I think the film knowingly winks at that point at the end in the last act, but we'll get to that in a little yes. bit. Yes, yes, we, we will get to that. Yes. <laughs> It is a little on the. I mean, it is like I um, and even the way they sort of show mm-hmm. the 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 computer the CGI yeah. of of the mission, it looks like Star Wars. It does look like, a little like Star Wars. I never thought of Top Gun as similar to Star Wars, but like it's so obvious. I mean, Christopher McQuarrie is a lot of things. He's not an idiot. He had to know this was going to seem like a Star yes. Wars plot. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Yes. All right, Dan. Yes, um, and Dan <laughs> Maverick did make the Kessel Run in under twelve parsecs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm imagining, what if in Top Gun, you know, his Rio is the Wookiee and his Wookiee dies? Like, you know, that, I've, I've just I've got this image of Maverick holding Chewbacca in his hands, you know, and just mourning okay. the loss. Speaking of Goose, yes, that's a lot of picture of the Goose that he has in, in his home or in his workplace or work home. I don't know what it was. Really. It's almost like the mer- current version of Maverick has no other friends or no other familial it ties is. or anything. It's such a strange, it's such a strange like choice. Yes. Right. Like yes. he lives in an <laughs> airplane. <hangar. laughs> well, wouldn't you Anna? I mean, that's going to be the new, that is going to be the new in place. In the to desert. Live. Which, yes. I mean, that must, the heating and cooling for that must be, Yeah. you know, that's a big bill. And he has like a shrine set up. Mm-hmm. for goose which traumatic event yeah big deal 30 years ago more than 30 years ago so more yes than 30 years yes ago. yes it's almost i mean i'll just say it's almost pornographic like, <laughs> it, it really verges on to a level of uncomfortable well it's like again it's almost as if this film picks up 36 years later and nothing happened in the interim to yeah, Maverick's yeah. Life. And like that's, he so that's really the, was like yeah. in a cha- hyperbaric chamber, yeah, exactly. just like yes, you know, or frozen in you know uh, thermite, right? That was, mm-hmm. it, like, yes, my another yes, yes. Okay, so let's get to Act Two: Ghosts of Top Guns Past. So Maverick starts putting his aviators through their paces, which include most prominently Hangman, who's just a dick, and Rooster. The latter being the son of Maverick's old Rio Goose. Looks like there's some bad blood between these two, which we will find out about later. Also <laughs> present are lots of other Carl signs, including Lady Pilot Phoenix, her new Rio Bob, and the rest. The rest include, and I swear to God I am not making up any of these call signs, Payback, Fanboy, Omaha, Fritz, Coyote, <laughs> Harvard, and Yale. I have many questions at this point, Anna. First of all, was Princeton taken or not? Like, is someone actually like a Princeton call sign? Second of all, who the fuck would have chosen Harvard or Yale as call signs? Like, on I, what planet? I agree. I agree. Like, those would be like almost like insults, I think. Those are cell like, phones. I'm sorry. Like- <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> you know, if you went there, it would be, oh, I have to say, if you did join the Navy after you went to Harvard, yeah. you definitely would make your call sign Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'd make it Cambridge. Come on, man. <laughs> that, you're right. That'd be, that'd be, you're totally right. It'd be Cambridge. Would, and people ask, why is your call sign Cambridge? You'd be like, I went to school in Cambridge. School in Cambridge. Exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, come on, Anna. Let's, let's get real here. Now, Beyond that absurdity, and by the way, I did, again, also laughed when after hearing the call signs Harvard and Yale, they pick on Bob because his call sign is just Bob. I, I, and I, honestly, I loved that. Yeah. I loved Bob. Bob was I good. I thought that, that he was a great character. Yeah. Very, like, well underplayed. Yes. And also the idea that someone would just be like, well, Bob. Yeah, I mean, my exactly. Name is Bob. So, Anna, my dad would do that. Let's get to the important part here, which is if you could choose your call sign, what would it be? And what call sign would you assign to me? I'm going to reciprocate, by the way. So, you know. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, my un- unimaginative one yeah. for myself mm-hmm. would be red. Ah, I mean, okay. Fair enough. Yes. Yes. You know. Yeah. That, that would be. Okay. Um, and then for you, I'd go with zombie. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think for me. And, and, and also, can we yeah. say that would be a good call sign? Zombie would be a good call sign, i got to admit. That is actually, that's better than I think what I had planned. So what I was going to call myself was Bookworm. <laughs> it was either Bookworm. That's a terrible call sign. Oh, I know, that's but it, like, like it's terrible. true to life. It's either Bookworm or Footnote. Maybe you could do Nerd. Yeah. But I was going <laughs> to say just be Nerd. You, I was going to give Austin. Oh, I like that. I, that would be. That would also be a good call yeah, sign. Yeah, I think we've given each other better that, call signs than we would have picked for ourselves. Yes, yeah. and I would have put it, I, I would have you know, put a shout out. I think fanboy is actually kind of an awesome call sign. <laughs> it's fair, yes, yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense, mm-hmm. but I like it. Right. And then I also think hangman is a legitimately good call sign. That's true. No, these aren't all and bad I, ones, but like some of them are. I appreciate it also that his nameplate was had like the hangman yes. with some letters missing. Yes. I thought that was like. That was clever. Eh, yeah. That's clever. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, so Maverick puts the pilots through their paces while also reuniting with former flame Penny Benjamin. Mav tells Penny that Rooster is pissed at him, not because you might think that his father Goose died in in Maverick's plane, mind you, but rather because Mav promised his deceased mother to keep Rooster from being a naval aviator. He therefore blackballed Rooster's application to the Naval Academy, setting back his career at least a couple of years. Maverick also meets with Iceman, who has throat cancer and primarily communicates by typing on a computer. Reassuring Maverick about teaching the team, he nonetheless dies of that throat cancer soon after. With Iceman gone, Cyclone removes Maverick as mission trainer and sets new parameters that are less risky on approach, but way riskier on exit. However, Maverick makes an unauthorized flight on the simulated course <laughs> and... You know, Sorry, more science fiction. Yes, okay. <laughs> Sorry, with the original parameters, proving that it, in fact, can be done. Cyclone is convinced and reluctantly appoints Maverick as the strike team leader. There is also a completely unnecessary beach scene that attempts to recreate the original volleyball scene. Anna, any thoughts about that before I ask you other questions? (laughs) I don't know if it was unnecessary. Unnecessary. (laughs) Let me put it this way. It was fun and superfluous. How about that? Yeah, I think, I mean, you could write a whole essay about... (laughs) the use of the beach volleyball scene, you know, for women of a certain age. From the original, yes, yeah. In the original, and how it's the first time I remember, you know, sexual imagery being targeted at me. (laughs) Now, I have to say, this is funny because... Like, guys don't... See, this is very... Men have that happen. Yeah, You know that people are being sexy for you your whole life, right? Mm -hmm. But the idea that there would be, like, performative sexiness Mm -hmm. for ladies... 
And gay men. Let's not underestimate the appeal to gay men that the original Top Gun has. I just got to point that out. Yes. Although I would say they also are aware of the sexuality of like people trying to appeal to them. Yes, totally fair. Totally fair. Whereas I think young women growing up in pre-internet porn, you know. (laughs) Yes. Like the idea that there would be this performative act of sexiness that was supposed to turn me on. Right was like just really revelatory yes. <laughs> and i did enjoy the football scene i thought i thought it was actually pretty cute it was cute yes it, they admitted they were basically playing calvin ball they had no you couldn't tell what actual sport oh, yeah. they were playing yeah yeah totally but it was well um, shot and i i did love that one like little dance that rooster does like even i was like oh yeah that's sexy okay yeah it does sort of at least within the within the context of the movie mm-hmm. it accomplishes what's supposed it to does actually so you know what i apologize i shouldn't have said it was unnecessary it actually is necessary that's fair my question is how did John Hamm find them <laughs> to it's his base to, to I mean, he's, he's gonna to, know to, like, to bust on Maverick like he goes searching for them and that's actually, actually somewhat funny sequence yes. of John Hamm appearing in various places on the base yes <laughs> and I, being empty <laughs> I have to add here in terms of the making of I did see an interview with John Hamm about this about the movie and he pointed out did you notice that I'm the one not wearing like you know I'm wearing the full uniform and like loafers oh, yeah, in that yeah, yeah. scene <laughs> You know, I think John Hamm commented about how, like, at some point, even though he's younger than Tom Cruise, like, Tom Cruise lapped him or something in terms of age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I just, I found that very, very amusing. And I find, I still find John Hamm very sexy, yes. even if he has all of Exactly. On. Very good. Speaking of sexy, I think one of the unexpected pleasures of this film, and actually one of the, the only subtle thing in this film, honestly, <laughs> was watching the genuine chemistry between Tom Cruise and Jennifer Connelly. And it was built in a not- adolescent way in other words it was built in a non-porn adult way you got the sense that these were two people who had lived some lives and were trying to connect again yeah Connolly is just great legitimately you know winning gorgeous and also almost age appropriate dan would you like to reveal your conflict of interest regarding jennifer Connolly? fine for those patrons who don't already know I once had the pleasure of actually having lunch with Jennifer Connelly when both of us were studying at Stanford. There's a longer story there, which I will not get into. All I know is is that after we had lunch, Jennifer always said hi to me as we would walk along the way at Stanford, and I would always say hi to her. And, you know, she was just glorious and charming and, and you know, would yes. wonderful. Yeah, Agreed. She has a special place in your heart. She's one of my girlfriends, is all I'm saying. You know, yeah. Like, in a non-creepy uh, way. Yeah. I agree that it was an almost age-appropriate. Yes. <laughs> you know. It's best yes. not to actually do the math on this, just to be clear, but yes. The character's probably not 60. Yes. <laughs> if you age up Jennifer Connelly's character and age down Tom Cruise's character, that's entirely fair. But the other thing is, I, and I mean this sincerely, Jennifer Connelly looks... Her age, and I don't mean that in a, in a good way. Yeah, I agree, agree, yeah. agree. And I would say that this is going to be in my debris field. Yeah. Their wrinkles show, right? Yes. And I would there's like close ups of them yeah. where there you can see like crow's feet right. and laugh lines. Yeah, and I was like, that's nice. It is nice, exactly. I like seeing that. Mm-hmm. I like having people who look like me. I mean, they're more gorgeous. Let's <laughs> not. I mean, they're movie stars, but. Who have laugh lines yeah. and whatnot. I mean, their bodies are, are insane. But their bodies are ridiculously great. and But, you know, like, they, they look roughly their age. They look like they've lived a little bit of a life. And it was it, and that was, I, I would say, from a Gen X perspective, it was nice to see that in some ways they've aged along with their characters. Yes. Yeah. 
All right, let's get to Act 3, just like Beggar's Canyon back home. So, Maverick has to choose his mission team. He decides to pair himself with Phoenix and Bob, and picks Rooster to escort Payback and Fanboy. Hangman and the remaining aviators are put on standby on the aircraft carrier USS Theodore Roosevelt. The team launches from the carrier, and then a guided missile cruiser fires Tomahawk cruise missiles to destroy the air base near the nuclear facility, which will hopefully give them some time to actually execute the run, but of course we'll put them at the risk of both Sam's and those fifth generation fighters. Fighters, <laughs> fighters. Because that's what will alert them to their yes, presence. approach. Yeah. Rooster, who has been flying too cautiously for the entire length of the film up till now, finally listens to Obi-Wan's teachings, stops thinking, and feels the need for speed. The team reaches the plant and succeeds in hitting the small thermal exhaust port and destroying the facility. That's not a moon. <laughs> Then they get engaged by surface-to-air missiles. Rooster runs out of countermeasures, and Maverick sacrifices his own jet to get between the Sam's and Rooster's jet, thereby ensuring Rooster's safety. He ejects and lands in the country that shall not be named without a scratch. Anna, this is, I want to say, I like Top Gun is obviously an iconic movie from our youth. It's not really a very good movie. It's just a silly movie in, in so many ways, and I would argue this is an overall better movie than the original Top Gun. But in particular the flight sequences are next level. Like, the like compared to the original film, it's stunning to watch the scenes involving the jets in this film. The fil- filmmaking has gotten better. Mm-hmm. And also the military has gotten better in how it cooperates with movie makers. Well, they learned and- their lesson from, among other things, Top Gun. Because, like, there was yeah. legitimately a, a surge of recruitment by the Navy after the original yep. film came out. Yeah. And this movie is military porn. <laughs> I mean, it is... Like, right down to not explaining some of the terminology, mm-hmm. you know? There's this certain, like, yeah, we know what we're talking about yeah. kind of feel to some of it. Yeah. And the shots of the jets yeah. and the people, like, arming them and whatnot, right. I would say they're filmed lovingly. <laughs> almost is, as lovingly is, as the beach volleyball, or the vo- as the beach scene. Almost as loving as the beach volleyball. Yeah. It is an ad for the kind of, you know, military that America wants to believe that it has, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it is, and it's exciting. And, like, this movie is well-made. Right. Which I think is another thing it kind of has on the original yeah, Top Gun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is that it's just there are no seams showing, like, in terms of just, like, the movie making. Right. Right? Like, it's beautiful. It's well done. So the the scenes of the fighter jets and whatnot, you're it, they're completely enveloping. Yes. You know, like, it's very exciting. The, very exciting to watch. The other thing I would add is... It, Again, the other difference is is that let me put it this way: my my wife had never seen the original Top Gun, and so we went to see Maverick together. But before that, in preparation, I watched Top Gun with her. And at the end of the movie, she turned to me and said, "So Iceman is the hero, right?" And I was like, "Yes, thank you." Because one of the failures of the original film is that you're ostensible, and again. Only Tom Cruise could have pulled this off. You're supposed to root for Maverick watching the original Top Gun, but if you actually objectively analyze everything he does in the film, he's a complete and total prick. He's a selfish prick. And, you know, who only barely redeems his his existence at the very end of the film. Whereas in this film, it was actually, like, you. I found myself pulling for Maverick because, you know, you do see some of the inner conflict he's got, and he really does want to, in some ways, be a mentor. So it was actually a more interesting character study in addition to all of the special effects. You made me think of something else, which is that, you know, in this movie, Tom Cruise is supposed to be a bad boy and not a bad guy. 
Right. right. Yes. Like, yes. He's not an asshole. Right. He's a maverick. Yes. He's no. And, th- 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 yes. And like, but it's like it's inoffensive in this movie, whereas it was kind of offensive. And yet it is. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, he objectively does terrible things. Yes. <laughs> like stealing a fighter jet and damaging it so it can't fly again. Right. You know, twice. He does that twice. <laughs> Multi-million dollar pieces of equipment. Yep. He just joyrides, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and also. I will go out on a limb here and say blackballing your best friend's son from the Naval Academy in secret, I guess. Oh, come on. Like, it was his know, dying no mother's wit, last wish. Like, no. No, that's not cool. Yeah, I got to grant you cool. that. No, it's it's true. It's true. It also, is, by the way, if, the if fact- you're 18, you get agency, by the yeah, way. Also, but, Once you're 18, and, and, you get to make your own fucking life decisions. In some ways, it's a credit to Rooster that despite that fact, he still gets to be the best of the best of, of the Top Gun pilots. Like, that suggests that maybe it was the wrong decision to blackball him. Like, turns well, out he I had also a was like, for this. I, I was like, maybe he waited four years and went back and reapplied like i mean because you it is like the the path to top gun often it often, does often goes through the name yeah i would path. say i'm not sure how i guess he could have done rotsy or something like i don't you know i'm sure there is another path but it would oh, there is another path yeah. and it yeah. but it, it's the traditional yes path right is through the naval academy so i think maverick is still kind of a bad guy not just a bad boy and this made me think of the thing we we're talking about with edge of tomorrow mm-hmm. which is that it's fun when tom cruise plays bad guys yes that's true that's playing true. bad boys is i think it's actually a tougher job for him hmm. he has to work harder to be in a weird way has to work harder to be appealing i guess although i would say like i again I, as an actor as I, let me put it this way. I think his performance in this movie, it's a little more haunted. You know, like there's yeah. that, that scene where he's looking in on the bar where he sees Rooster and realizes for the first time he's really there. And that they cut to flashbacks from the original Top Gun there. Like, Tom Cruise actually does a good job of sort of, you know, demonstrating the pain and the loss he's got there. I don't know. I Yeah, I just, I guess I'm touchy about the whole, like, mavericky thing. Yes, and that's you know? totally fair. Because, <laughs> like, just sort of, like, he gets to do it because he's Maverick. But I think, you know? you know what? The other thing that makes it better in this film is that this he... A- white guy could be his call sign as well. <laughs> oh, God. The other thing that makes it better is that he actually has legitimate conversations with Penny Benjamin about all of this. Yes. And yes, I think that's yes. also what makes it more identifiable because you realize yes. he also recognizes that he's struggling through this and she actually helps him. It's, it's again, an adult relationship in, in all the facets of it, which is great. There are some interesting ways that the you know, sort of context of the original movie was updated, right? right? For more sensitive day and age. There's female pilots, there's people of color, you know. Iceman and and Maverick text, you know, have a texting relationship. Have a texting relationship. (laughs) Yeah. And also, you're right, like Maverick is not just like hot to trot. No, You know, and like wants to get into her pants or whatever and then has to learn a lesson about relationships. Like he's already kind of learned a lesson Yeah, I think it's safe to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. The scene where they finally connect, I did, again, extremely well shot where, like, Jennifer Connelly just leaves her door open and it's clear, which in the modern sensitive era, it's like, oh, yeah, you have consent now. And, like, you know, goes from there. So that was actually really, uh, again, the only subtle thing in the film, but I actually thought it was extremely well done. All right, let's close out with Act 4. You know what would be a great callback? An F-14. So we're going to get to the re- completely absurd part of this film, by the way. Like, I, I don't know about you, Anna. I actually laughed throughout the entire last... 20, 25 yeah. minutes of this film. So, for reasons beyond all... I, I was like, they're not going to. Yeah. No. Oh, yes, they are. Like, yes. really? Yep. yep. And then... There we go. I honestly, I really was, like, waiting for, like, no. 
Anyway, you have I, to so it. I will say, Anna, Anna was texting me as she was watching this film, and she was like laughing at previous times. Like, oh, just wait, Anna. The laugh is gonna. <laughs> the laughing is gonna continue. So, for reasons beyond all understanding, Cyclone is on the carrier for this mission. Believing Maverick to be killed in action, he orders the other aviators to return to the carrier. Rooster embraces the not-thinking part of the force and returns to save Maverick from a helicopter gunship, but gets shot down by another Sam and ejects nearby, again completely unscathed. Mav and Rooster reunite and head towards the destroyed airbase at the country that shall not be named. They find, I swear to God, an old abandoned F-14 Tomcat and steal it, heading back to the carrier <laughs> with Rooster acting as Mav's Rio, much like Goose did in the original film. This badly outdated plane nonetheless possesses entirely active and effective ordnance because this is a, a movie. Full, a full, co- full complement. A full complement, well. yes. And therefore, Maverick and Rooster manage to shoot down two fifth-generation planes. But a third arrives as they run out of ammunition and countermeasures. It looks like the jig is up for Maverick and Rooster, but then Hangman arrives from standby to shoot down the SU-57, and the good guys return to cheers on the carrier, where Maverick and Rooster reconcile. The movie ends with Maverick and Rooster working together to restore a P-51 Mustang. Penny arrives with her daughter Amelia, and Mav takes her for a ride in the P-51. America is safe and secure for maybe another 36 years. Anna, I did enjoy this movie, and I again, I think it's a better movie than the original. There's a lot that really, you know, speaks to it. I really enjoyed it, but I'm not going to lie. As I said, I laughed out loud at the absurdity of that last act, particularly stealing the F-14. <laughs> did, the end, I, did the ending work for you? I, I, I mean, did it work? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, it worked in the sense that I kept watching. I don't know. Like, it's, <laughs> It's preposterous. I think it was entertaining. It's a heist movie now. Yes, exactly. It's a heist movie. But I also like, by the way, in the like in the destroyed airbase, like somehow there's the F-14, and we do we even see the face of anyone else at that airbase? No, you don't see. And also, I think this is echoing the first Top Gun. You you saw the first Top Gun more recently, but you don't even see the faces of the enemy pilots. Mm -hmm. They're like in mirrors. No, and that was correct. It was also true in the original. Yes, yes. Yeah, so you get to enjoy killing people without killing people. Yes, it's like video game killing. Exactly. Yes. Right? Yeah. So first, okay, when it looks like Maverick's dead, I was like, all right. <laughs> you know, like, that's the way that this could go. Yeah. Because it's kind of it. It sort of and, works. And I will with the themes of the with the themes of the movie, and I will, which is like worry about going back home. Right. And I will give know, sacrificing cr- himself for Brewster. Yeah. And I want to give credit to the movie here. Like the, until that last until the you know the final attack. The movie actually does make it clear that it's possible someone's going to die. So, like, yeah. there are real stakes when they go on this mission. You believe that the characters could die. And, and that's a credit to the way the movie was made again. And then it, they just yanked it. Nope. Nope. Everyone's going to make it. Everyone's going to make it. So when he when it turns out he's, he's fine, yep. like, not just, like, alive, but fine. Still glistening <laughs> in a Tom Cruise way, yes. I, did, I laughed out loud at that. Mm-hmm. And then when, when Rooster turns up, and then appears to die and doesn't die. Right. <laughs> like, and then when they meet up and they're like, what are we going to do? <laughs> Let's go to the base and steal an F-14. Like, you know, I, will- it, I would say this whole movie had a weird, let's put on a show, <laughs> like vibe yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. Like this very sort of like, we got to do a thing, you know, yeah. let's do the thing and let's all do the thing. And you know how it's going to work out. Like this sort of beat by beat yeah. kind of 
way of doing it because once they decide to steal the plane you know they're going to succeed and steal the plane because that's it's it's a top gun these two characters have refused to die so clearly like we're not working in a in a stakes environment like (laughs) and that's in some ways the weird aspect of this film the film shifts tonally because again the middle third of this film is really good and like actually again builds stakes and then the last act it's really well shot there's some great scenes and you know from the moment maverick gets shot down it were basically operating in a different sort of movie and it was in yeah. some ways it's like a very american movie in that way which is like we pretend to have stakes and then no we don't really want stakes yes. no we don't really want to take risks sorry yes <laughs> like, we like the appearance of risk but no mm-hmm. the other thing i want to say about sort of the feel of the movie mm-hmm. is it kind of it's like everyone in the movie knows that tom cruise is the main character <laughs> Do you kind of know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's yeah. all like cheated towards him well, in the way that like you cheat on a stage, and, I, and that's fine. He is the main character, but and that's also all, kind of always true. I would say it was true in the original Top Gun. Like, yeah, uh, except I feel like maybe because he was so he was much younger mm-hmm. and also in less established. There was a sense with like Anthony Edwards yeah. and Val Kilmer and Meg fucking Ryan who like know? stole that entire like, movie. Yeah. Right, like that they were other actors in the like who who, oh. who counted. Yeah, although I so I'm not so sure. About, like, first of all, I do think. I mean, Jennifer Connelly is a real character. Mo, you know, plays she Penny is, Benjamin but is a real I still character. kind of feel like she's like everyone is sort of like I said, kind of cheated towards him. Maybe like everyone is like their life. Yeah, he's the thing. Well, I, he's the thing. No, like let me put it this way. Here was the clue on this: when Iceman dies, and you know they're at the funeral, and it's it's Maverick who puts the the wings yeah. into the coffin. I like there was a part where I was like, where the fuck is Slider? Okay, like Slider was in the original. He's clearly I you know was Iceman's best friend in the original film. Like suddenly, like he's not there. Like that would be an example yeah. where again, it, yes, you're right. It, it centers Tom Cruise in a way that that nothing else does. And to just talk a little bit more about Goose and Stakes. Yeah. One of the things that I remember respecting about the first movie is is Goose dying, yeah. which like communicated like this is going to be a little bit of a different kind of movie than you thought, right? Right? Yeah. Like I remember the scene and being like, oh no, yeah, and assuming because it was such a popcorn movie that wouldn't there's happen. No way right. they're going to kill yeah. off Anthony Edwards. Right. He's on ER. Yeah, I think he was. He was, he was not. He was I'm not like, on ER at that point. Okay. Yes, he's not on ER. It's too young. But yeah. like Anthony, you know, he was. A, he was great he was in the ass. film, among other things. He's an incredibly like he was a perfect supporting character, and you're like you don't want to see him go. Yeah. And he's a good guy. You don't want to see him yeah. go. And then he goes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that seemed like it, it makes that movie again. Like, I'll have to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. But I think I don't think the original Top Gun is a bad movie. Like, it, it's OK. You rewatched it. Yeah. Well, let me put it this way. It's not. You're right. It's not a bad. It's an entertaining film. Again, no denying that. It's an entertaining movie. And it, yes. it, it, it hooks you. And I think one of those hooks is that there is like a little bit of stakes. Right. Again, in some ways, the two, I I will say this, that unsurprisingly, the sequel and the original are similar in that you can argue the middle thirds of the films are the things that stand out. Yeah. You know, and for different reasons, there are legitimate stakes there. And then towards the end, in both the original and in this No more stakes. You know, the stakes are gone or we just, you know, it's like mucking about. Yeah. You know, Dan, I've been waiting to get to this question. (laughs) Yes, Anna. Is there IR in this film? <laughs> Anna, there is IR in this film, but I want to be very clear. That is not a compliment. <laughs> because like the original Top Gun, the IR in this film is really, really stupid. It cannot be stressed enough how dumb it is. 
First of all, you can't name the goddamn country that you're executing the bombing run on. I mean, that's just absurd. Again, as you pointed out before, like the treatment of the enemy, as it were, is is so dehumanizing in the sense that you don't literally see an actual human face of anyone yeah. involving the enemy. So it, it, you know, in some ways that says how you actually have to also fight war. Also very American. It, actually, I would... A war, it's, okay. It's war. Yes, it's right. not I'm just American. Sure it is war. how you fight a war. You do dehumanize the enemy, to be fair. In be Ender's Game. Right. But I will say, in neither of these instances, technically, is there war. This is not war we're dealing with. <laughs> these are, you know, dogfights slash, you know, air, you know, airstrikes. So little point there. I will say there was a very nice Ringer article that came out when the original when uh, this film came out trying to deduce which country it could be based on they apparently had like old US fighters but they also had fifth generation aircraft and like other like sophisticated things concluding, you know, without question that it was Iran and I think that that's the only possible conclusion you can draw. So I- I assumed it was around the entire time until we got there and it was mountainous with snow and coniferous trees. And I don't associate that. Iran does have mountains and snow. So actually that would be consistent. Although I'm not sure it's on the coastline. That's the one thing where I... Yeah, I that, that, right. That's, that's the, the tricky thing. thing. So like, that's the one thing where it's like, oh, well, could this be North Korea? I mean, but, I understood why they did it. It's the video yeah. game part. But also, right? can't it can't like, be North Korea because North Korea wouldn't have the F-14s or, or anything like that. So again, I think right. Iran is the only logical uh, yeah. choice. There is no discussion whatsoever in the entire film about the ramifications of a preemptive strike on a nuclear facility in which you're violating territorial sovereignty. I'm just going to point that out. It's not that, therefore, you would never do it, but, like, maybe there would be some discussion on this. And maybe you wouldn't do it and you would train at, like, a base and, like, not have it be super top secret and, like, involve all these people and... Or maybe use a stealth <laughs> bomber. I don't, like, it. there's so many other ways that you could potentially do this. The Because uh, uh, it's, it's yeah. like, like, they could... It just feels like it's one of those things... Iran could have found out pretty easy this was coming. Like it's like they weren't yeah. doing a very good job of like keeping a lid on this plan. No, you know? no. Look, honestly, the only useful IR surrounding this film, and this was interesting, is that apparently there was a Taiwan, I think, flag or sticker on Maverick's jacket, and the Chinese censors wanted that removed in order to have access to the Chinese market. And basically, the film's producer said, "No, we're not going to do that." And, you know, Hollywood filmmakers have been kowtowing to Chinese censors for, oh, I don't know, about a generation at this point. And it is interesting that they chose not to worry about accessing that market. And the film is a big hit. So, you know, in that sense, yeah, I was going to say they, they said goodbye to the other billion yeah. they could have earned. But yeah. but in some ways, like the film is doing well enough so that it actually suggests maybe you don't have to really worry about that. And that's yeah. not a bad thing. Other than that, the the best answer I can tell you about the IR in this film is don't think too hard about it. Just look can I have that? Look at the beach scene. Okay. I'm just telling you. But this does lead to a question I have for you, Anna. Yes, Dan. Is there a critique of capitalism in this film? Dan, you told me not to. <laughs> If you think about capitalism, Anna, you're dead. I, I, I just, I, I, you know, you told me not to think, yeah. so I really, I, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> the quick response I have to that is um, my IP is a very big flat circle in order to encompass 36 years. <laughs> and this movie did grow, has grossed $1 billion. Wow. Okay. Which is. That's a lot. 
it's a lot of money. And then I, I, I guess I want to mention the military porn thing again. Yeah. It's not upsetting in this context because the movie is, is so slick right. and like basically upbeat, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I recently watched the new Chris Pratt series on Amazon, oh. uh, Terminal List. Yeah. Don't. I oh, mean, like, okay. I. So I was kind of in a, like a place where I just needed to binge something that I didn't want to think too hard about. So I decided to binge. This. If you haven't watched it, I recommend binging Reacher, by the way. Oh, I, that's probably much. Oh, yeah. No, well, oh, me, you haven't watched that. Yeah, that'll be much better. Trust me. Let me tell you what happens in this this thing, which is that it is so hardcore, like tactical guy porn. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know if there is a term for tactical guy. It's sort of a right wing meme yeah. that like people who like buy black rifle coffee and, you know, military grade sunglasses you know, like that market. I believe it's called Gorka Vision. Like, <laughs> it's it's very that. Yeah. Like Chris Pratt, you know, it's about a Navy SEAL team right. that gets massacred and Chris Pratt takes revenge. And it, it does the thing that I mentioned earlier, which is like there's no explanation for any of the military terms. And that's almost like, like don't don't make us. If you can't, if you don't understand what we're talking about, it, then this maybe this you know series isn't for you is kind of the feel mm-hmm. I get yeah. from it. And there is... A remarkable amount of violence for streaming <laughs> like like hand-to-hand violence <laughs> yeah at one point chris pratt's character tortures someone like straight up just tortures him you know mm-hmm. and i'm contrasting it to this i guess because like it is a matter of maybe just a, a matter of scale you know a matter of degree like it's it's i think we should be uncomfortable about that stuff right you know mm-hmm the the Chris Pratt series just celebrates it so thoroughly mm-hmm. that it makes it more obvious that this is a point at which we should maybe ask ourselves like is this something we want to use as entertainment <laughs> you know yeah even though this movie was very entertaining yeah. obviously can't take credit for this line but it's not delivery it's Adorno <laughs> by the way my um, other call sign for you would have been Adorno <laughs> I would have that would be a really good call sign for me but yeah like this this is totally in the like let's you know, let's use existing characters. Yeah. Let's use existing ideas. Let's just not do anything that will surprise or upset mm-hmm. anyone. And that is indeed this movie. Oh yeah, I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> right down to the F fourteen. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh wait, it's a fifth generation fighter, Anna. It's a fifth generation fighter. I'm going to put the screen out. Eject, Anna. Eject. Eject. It's the debris field. We talk about what we haven't already talked about. And, wow, we talked about a lot, but <laughs> let's. We, I think we still have some stuff. So, Dan, what's up for you? Not, we've actually talked about a fair amount, but I, it's just a couple of things. First of all, I agree with your point that in some way the movie centers Tom Cruise. But much like in Edge of Tomorrow, Tom Cruise has morphed into being a pretty generous actor. And I do think in his, in his scenes, his one-on-one scenes with Miles Teller, who plays Rooster, with Val Kilmer in, in the Iceman cameo, and, and particularly with Jennifer Connelly, he gives them the room to actually do good performances. And so that's not insignificant. I will say that scene with Kilmer is surprisingly good. It was touch. It was honestly legitimately it, touching. Yeah. It, genuinely t- it probably has to do with the fact that the two actors have a relationship yeah. and genuinely respect each right. other. And there is a pathos there that I think is just real. Yeah. You know? But Tom Cruise acts his fucking heart yeah. out. 
Like, it's a little, like, maybe not great because you should notice acting. That's always but my objection with Tom Cruise sometimes is that he, but I was he does act thinking, the hell like, out wow, of it if you notice it. Yeah. He's doing a great job yeah. acting. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I, I, I agree. I think he's, he's matured. He's just matured as an actor. Yeah. Related to this, in terms of Val Kilmer, I do recommend, if you have Amazon Prime, watch uh, Val, which is the documentary uh, that Val Kilmer made about his own career including it discusses the throat cancer and it's uh it's actually pretty absorbing he made a ton of home movies back during the 80s when he was just sort of coming up so i think there might have even been shots of the original top gun um from there so it's actually quite extraordinary and then finally i would say we didn't talk about it but but there is a lady pilot in this film which there was not obviously in the first one phoenix and phoenix was a pretty good character like i was I would be happy to see a spinoff on Phoenix, but but the thing I was impressed by was that she was a woman and, you know, like she wasn't overly sexualized in the beach scene, you know, but, you know, she was, she, it was, it's a, a nice character and she had a nice interpretation. Almost like they treated her like they a guy. They treated her like a human being, yes. <laughs> and, and like, there were, let me put it this way, as I said, there were many ways in which they could have screwed that up and they did not. Mm-hmm. That's my point here. I, I- that, you know. I agree. And and it's one of those times where I know that your preferable mode in having representation yeah. is that no one make a big deal right. about it. And this is definitely a let's not make a big deal about it. Then that works. That can work. You know, I had a thought at one point. It was like, I wonder if any of them are gay. Like, I w- actually, some yes. Of the actor, did one of the actors maybe think to themselves like... I'm the gay guy in the squad. I was actually wondering <laughs> if they were going to do that because, like, it would have made total sense. And, like, yeah, yeah, totally fair. It may have been a little performative, but, like, I like the idea that one of the, that one of the actors, as their own personal backstory, just decided. I hope this comes out in an interview. Like, turns out Payback thought he was gay or Fanboy yeah, was gay. Yeah, Fanboy gay. was gay. Yeah, that would actually that would make the great. most sense. But, yeah. Yeah, and maybe the actor is also gay. That'd be that cool, would be too. cool. I, sorry, I just wanted to mention that the actress who plays Phoenix is Monica Barbaro. We should always give the shout out to the, the actor doing the, the role as well so again she did a great job just a a good solid performance what do you got on all right also agree on phoenix yes obviously i sent you an lol when the beach football scene happened (laughs) and i was just like you know what bless you bless you top gun maverick going that extra mile it's great and speaking of sexual (laughs) sexualization and gender, I actually was weirdly touched by the gender swap scene at the very end where it's Jennifer Conley leaning up against the Porsche mm-hmm. instead of the dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I I believe that is a scene in the in, I mean, again, you've seen it more recently. Is that a scene in the first Top Gun? I don't think I don't. I just think, think so. it's such a traditional. It's such a traditionally like it's the cool guy. I, that's more like that's a classic 80s scene would be the way to put it. Yeah. Yes. yes. It's a cool dude yeah. leaning up against his cool right. car. Yeah. And in this one, it's Jennifer Conley leaning up against her cool car. Mm-hmm. And it's it's Tom Cruise or Maverick that does like the approach, which is, again, like something. You, it's, yeah. a gen, it's a cool. Gender it's a gender swap. swap I, right. I liked it. Mm-hmm. And. Also, that brings me to another point, which is this movie did not shy away from admitting that Tom Cruise is a tiny person. <laughs> yes. There are scenes where he's fully a head shorter than the person he's acting yeah. with. And I'm like, you know what? Good on you, Tom. I, it's like, good to see Tom getting secure about that now. Yeah. 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 Like there's a scene with Rooster where I like it's Rooster is a foot taller. Yep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> or maybe like six inches or so. But like it's a it's there's a, a significant height. Yeah. Height. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they just like, they're just film it. And I think that is cool. That didn't get commented upon. Yes. (laughs) 
I will say again, I love the call sign Bob. <laughs> I have to note that they are really running afoul of California helmet laws. That's true. Yes, a lot of lot of bad motorcycle riding. Yeah. Yeah, and I also want to tell a quick. Not it's not even a story, but to mention, if anyone doubted that there would be a sixty-year-old person doing test flights for the Navy, my uncle mm. went to the Naval Academy. In fact, graduated in the same class as John McCain, mm. and was a test pilot into his sixties. Oh wow! He was a test pilot for Sikorsky, mm-hmm. the helicopter company. But if you have an old test pilot, you use that test pilot. Right, because almost by like, definition, <laughs> that means he's a, a very good test pilot, I'm assuming. <laughs> he's a good yeah, test pilot, yeah. yeah. And yeah, also may, people may not know they're test pilots for helicopters. Yeah. Like helicopters get to be tested out and like get new tricks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I love my uncle very much. He's great. And in his time at Sikorsky, he had a lot of really cool stories because the private market for helicopters has some characters in it. I bet. If you think about who buys private helicopters, especially, <laughs> let's say, overseas uh, in Latin America. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Good to know. Wow. All right. So, so, so shout out to Dave, yeah. my uncle. <laughs> I don't know his call sign. I'm going to have to ask Ooh, him, yeah, actually. You, yeah. And my very last thing is that, as I told you when I was leaving the movie that I was going to listen to the soundtrack on the way home, mm-hmm. I did listen to the original soundtrack on the oh. way home um, from the movie. Yeah. And I had never noticed before. It's so goddamn literal. It made me laugh. Like, so there's Highway to the Danger Zone. You're talking about the original Top Gun soundtrack. Yeah, the original soundtrack. So there's Highway to Danger Zone, which if you listen to lyrics, it's kind of like, it's not about flying, but it's like... Oh, it's a little bit about, well, it's about flying and sex. So, yeah. Right, right, right. But like, it's about Highway to the Danger Zone. And then there's a cheap trick song, um, Mighty Wings. And then there's, like, Take My Breath Away. Yeah, by Berlin. And then there's, like, Lead Me On. It's, like, it's absurdly literal. Oh, what about <laughs> like, Kenny Loggins playing with the boys, which is what... Oh, yeah, playing with the boys and playing with the boys, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, like, there's two parts. There's, like, yeah. an encore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just was tickled by that. That felt, like, very 80s. And it is a, also, for me, it makes my heart swell <laughs> to, like, listen to that particular soundtrack. Aww. I don't know if it's genuinely a good soundtrack, but... It takes you. I very much. It takes you to it. places. Yes. Yeah. So that's about it. We did not remind people to become patrons at the beginning of the show. So I will say now that if you are not already a patron, you should become a patron. Mm-hmm. You will support us in our quest to keep doing this passion project. Mm-hmm. Maybe someday make a little money off of it. That would be nice. If nothing else, uh, put you know karen's uh our sound engineer's dog alwyn in kibble for a little while yep keep him in kibble Mm -hmm. allow us to pay karen at scale Mm -hmm. which we we don't right now because she's a good person Mm -hmm. (laughs) thank you and also like it's a great community yes and i I know i talk about this a lot but it is genuinely one of the best things to come out of doing this podcast has been to get to know people on the discord just a great group of folks very interesting people with lots of um, varied backgrounds and good discussions about all sorts of stuff including cute animals i have been posting about my kittens nice lately and dan sometimes shows up but most of the time we just make fun of him (laughs) so you know what we can i think we can also ask the discord to to assign us call signs as well that might be an interesting oh that's a a good idea definitely definitely we need to ask the discord what the call signs would be for us and perhaps for karen there you go absolutely in any case until next time keep this channel open for more